coming up on the Inspired Podcast. You throw all that shit in the bin and you're half a chance. I broke away from every bullshit construct that society's rammed down our throats since school. The whole thing's fucked. Over time, you start to get perspective. You start defining yourself differently by doing good in the world, not just trying to make money for yourself. Welcome to the Inspired Podcast by Gentech. Hi, my name's Nick Jones, and I'm so excited to present the Inspired Podcast. In this series, I'll be talking to people that I find inspiring, and I dearly hope they'll inspire you too. I'll talk to people who have overcome difficulties in life to reach a point of happiness and contentment. Hopefully, there'll be some nuggets to help you through your own journey. The reason I'm making this podcast is that I have also had many challenges in my life. I've found that having the guidance and the words of wisdom from people that have overcome obstacles can really spark you to get out of a low point in your life. I'm blessed to have created a great company, Gentech Nutrition, a business and industry that I'm very passionate about that helps others and now supports my family. But I'm also blessed to have reached a point in life where I can give back. And that's what this podcast is all about. For the first two episodes of Inspired, I speak to my dear friend, Jeff Jowett. Jeff is an author, a life coach, and absolute legend. Jeff's personal story is so inspirational that I thought it needed to be spread over a couple of episodes. I start by asking Jeff how he got to where he is now. Millionaire at 25, broke at 30, living with dad, wasn't part of the plan but it was father-son bonding nonetheless. $40 million business at 35 and bankrupt in AANA at 40. Again, not on the vision board, that one there. And then now at 45, uh, as cliche as it is, really happy and grateful and loving life. Never did before, never satisfied, never enough. And along that tumultuous road, I, I found, I guess, a few secrets and clues. And today life is phenomenal. Mate, that's like, I'm looking at it going, this is a five-year process. Most people talk about where am I going to be in 10 years? And for you, these five-year steps have just been massive chapters, Mm. massive chapters with, I'm sure, many, many lessons. How did you get into the fitness industry, PT Vision? I started lifting weights when I was about 16, skinny little kid at school at Sydney Tech and wanted to do some weights and, I guess, build up the self-esteem and the strength and confidence and whatnot and really loved it. And then through that phase, I I fell in love with bodybuilding and the sport of weightlifting and whatnot. And that got me into a sports science degree. That was the catalyst. And then uh, I wanted to be a personal trainer and and really help others with their physique. Turned out, you know, 90% of them were, were, were more lose weight and tone up rather than build muscle. But it was really the same drivers, the same why. And, and that led me to doing Vision PT in 99. But really, it was driven out of my own personal pursuits. And I think trying to find happiness at a young age there. The principles that you utilised with general everyday people and ladies and so forth were the same as bodybuilding, building muscle, losing fat, same principles. But you were able, I think you were the first guy in Australia to put them into this sort of 12 week body transformation challenge. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bill Phillips did uh, Body for Life in the US and I saw that and I ended up being the Aussie ambassador for Body for Life in Australia and that sort of segued into us running 12-week challenges and 
Yeah, that catapult of the business and the brand. We had one trainer and then 18 months later we had 20 of them and then six months later we got punted from Fitness First because we had too many trainers and they, they thought that was suboptimal for them, which is fair enough. So we did our own and and not and a few years after we franchised. But, yeah, the, the physique transformation competitions were the, were the real rocket ship that launched mm. us. All right, and that launched you into Vision. So you started Vision PT. Many people don't know you started Vision PT. Still going strong, very well known. Boutique personal training franchise business. Um, what happened there? You, so you built a successful franchise model, but then you got out. Yeah, so I built that with Andrew Simmons. He's still the franchisor, a good friend. I, I guess like a lot of my story, I got bored. It wasn't enough. It was too slow. It wasn't big enough. I call that the disease of more. Mm. Whatever I had was never enough. So I was always looking over the fence, comparing it, whoever else, with a bigger boat, so to speak, metaphorically. Yeah. And yes. as a result of that, I, I just decided that I'd had enough and off I went, which was very typical of me in those days. Financially, did you do well out of that? No, no, I ate a hand grenade there like I did many times. Yeah, like a professional hand grenade. I was on a buffet of them. Absolute superstar. I, yeah, I got a million of those stories. No, no, I had zero, zero strategy and all emotion and trigger and rubbish. Yeah, yeah, that was just my life for, you know, 20-odd years really, like brilliance and, you know, retarded, all rolled into an eclectic mix. Yeah. So this is, this is Jeffrey. this is what fascinates me about you. And this is one of the many reasons you're obviously so good at coaching today. You know what to do to become successful. The first time I saw you, Jeffrey, you're on the TV, you're selling your body trim weight loss programs and weight loss products, and you're driving a Maserati, mm. you're on TV every day. You're what most people would measure success by. You were like 10 out of 10 in all of those measures. Mm. Tell me how successful were you, like money-wise, dollars-wise? How big was that business? How big did you grow it? I think we turned over 10 million in the first year and 20 in the second and just kept growing and growing and growing. We went into the UK and New Zealand. We did a bit in America and then we extended into cosmeceuticals and other weight loss products and even had a hair brand, um, David Babai with Kate Hudson, the American actress. Did a bunch of stuff. and But, yeah, the body trim was the flagship. That launched everything. And, yeah, it was just really built out of my deep knowledge and understanding of weight loss psychology and what drives people to lose weight and where their frustrations were, their pain points. And I think a lot of people wanting to lose weight, not loving the gym, and I, I took a fresh approach on it and, and sort of banned strenuous exercise for the first month of the program so they focused on the food because a lot of people, the harder they trained, the, the more they ate. I say mm. the harder you train, yes. the hungrier you get, the more you eat. So a lot of overweight people, they'd train hard and eat for Australia and put on weight. They'd yeah. go, you know, quite often at Vision, they'd go run a marathon or train for a half marathon and put on two kilos. They got sort of fit and fat at times because mm. of their appetite. So the weight, I, I sort of differentiated weight loss from fitness, if you will, I think with body trim and really targeted the... The mass weight loss market in a way that hadn't been done before and what Bill Phillips did, I just tapered down for sedentary people. So it wasn't mm. weight training at all. It was just uh, food and movement. Being a good salesman, that had to have come into it. What does it take to be a good salesman, to be successful in your old measure in business? Well, I think the, the sales part was like a natural flair that I had because mm. um, I think, you know, when I was... 
18, 19, 20, starting personal training. You know, I really liked people and I was at the gym all the time and made lots of friends. And, oh, Jeffro, how are you, mate? And, and, you know, very social sort of bloke. And uh, then when we got a bit of proper sales training at Vision when we were building out the systems and I went through it with the sales trainer, he's like, well, what, what you do is actually like gold standard and you don't even realise it. And I was, you know, building rapport and connection and making friends and then the sales would happen by default versus pushy selling and that sort of stuff. So I just happened to do that naturally. and But that was sort of the... I guess the platform that made advertising easy because the marketing piece is more one-to-many and sales is one-to-one, but if you're really good at sales, there's a good chance you can write copy and marketing and that sort of stuff, which I segued into for body trim and all the copywriting and then the TV. And the, the public speaking and the TV was, again, sort of in my wheelhouse. I could do all of that pretty well. I had to learn all the operations and systems and all that stuff over time, which I now enjoy equally as much because it's um you know that that was the missing piece for me back in the day but now it having done it all it makes sense and no point making it rain if you don't have the buckets can you tell us the measures of success for you back then 10 or 20 years ago what were the measures of success for you back then as opposed to the measures of success now Oh, well, back then it was very ego-driven and it, it was sort of... I never really felt enough in myself. It was more, you know, little bloke, sort of just average at everything. Then I got a but that I got more than average in business and that sort of made me feel significant. It was more chasing significance back then than mm-hmm. contribution or purpose or meaning or anything of any real substance. And that sort of ran away with me, disease of more, destination addiction, as I call it. So yeah, it looked great and everyone used to text me, living the dream, amazing, and at times it felt like that, but it was very Wolf of Wall Street, it was very loose, it was very all over the shop, and um, but yeah, deep down it still didn't feel, I didn't feel great in my, so I didn't feel happy, I was excited a lot, but I wasn't happy, I didn't have peace of mind, I had the squirrels in the head 24-7 and, you know, comparing, competing, reflecting, resenting, frustrating, all those things, whereas now I... I don't have any of those, but that took a lot of work and really mm. changing my success markers and that took, you know, hitting rock bottom and all that as well to get to that point, which hopefully I help people avoid. Mm. I say I made the mistake so you don't have to. Mm. And But, yeah, back then with the cars and the life and all that jazz, it looked great, but um, on the inside, like is true for many people, it's not. There's, a, there's some conflicts going on internally, but it, it, it presents as a very, very successful life. That's fascinating because there is so much of that. You know, we look at the guy next door or the girl next door and we see their social media and we think they've got everything, you know, by the story that we see on the outside. And we don't know. You never know, right, Jeffrey, what's going inside, mm. going on inside their head and inside their heart. Mate, can you share with us post body trim, post body trim, bankruptcy? Mm. Depression, because mm. Jeff, that's when I first connected with you. Mm. We first connected. I will never forget the day you came up to me in the gym. We'd always just said hello. Mm. The day you came up to me in the gym, and you said, "Nick, it's I got to say, mate, it's just brilliant, it's fantastic how you've started GenTech, you've built GenTech strategically, methodically. You've built the business, you've married the girl of your dreams, you've got a family, and 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 it's great you've done it so methodically. So this is just." post body trim and I turned to you and I said is that what you think you said well yeah isn't it I said you think I've built it methodically Jeff I've nearly lost my business three times Mm. I've suffered chronic fatigue a couple of times depression 
Um, I saw I saw the the lack of spark in your eyes. Mm. And that's, I think, because I don't talk about depression. Mm. And that's why I said to you, depression. And you looked at me. I remember you looked mm. at me. I remember in City Gym, it was near the dumbbell area. Mm. You said, depression? You? I said, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've nearly lost the business three times. And then we really started talking. Mm. And we talked about med- meditation. And we started talking metaphysics. And we started catching mm. up for coffee and became yeah, friends yeah. then, Jeff. Yeah, I remember. I didn't know it was your lowest point. Mm. Um, and I don't know if it was your lowest point. Can you share? I mean, Jeff, mm. it's like I'm, I'm talking to you as a mate, mm. as we often do. Can you share with the listeners your lowest point, what mm. it really was? Mate, um, I can't even remember. It was pretty low for a long time. I think I sort of hit rock bottom and then slipped off the ledge and found a crevice and maybe rolled around in that for a bit. But it went on for a while. It wasn't a <laughs> course. finite day. It was I'm probably bowling down the hill to NA, Narcotics Anonymous, down on Stanley Street. Hoping a bus had cleaned me up. I just thought, oh, mate, if the bus driver falls asleep, it wouldn't be the worst thing if he <laughs> cleans me up on the way down with all these other degenerates laugh, sitting mate. around. I went from, no, it's good, mate. It's, I like, it's, mate, it's great. I, there's no, like, now life's wonderful. You've got, you got to laugh. You've got to be able to laugh, mate. But, uh, but, no, I thought, you know, going down with all these other degenerates sitting there, I went from CEO duties to roll call putting out the chairs in NA. I thought, fucking hell, how'd this happen? You know, and uh, slippery wow. slope, folks, for everyone wow. listening. It, uh, it's all those little choices every day compounding over time. Wow. Like success and failure, it, it creeps up on you. Success creeps up, failure creeps up. It's no one thing. It's a million little things every day, all wow. the time. And, and that's what happens. It's all those little blunders. It's all those things we think that don't matter. They matter a lot because they change the trajectory of your life, the small mm. choices, the alignment or their lack of. Yes. And uh, the choices we make financially based versus alignment. I talk a lot about alignment now versus just goal setting. And uh, that's so important, making sure you're aligned and knowing who you are. We'll get back to Jeff's story after this message from our sponsors. I'm Nick Jones and you're listening to Inspired. Burn fat and get in shape using Gentech Nutrition's premium quality fat burners. Use code INSPIRED10 and save 10% off your favourite products at gentech.com.au. That's G-E-N hyphen T-E-C dot com dot A-U. Welcome back to the Inspired Podcast by Gentech Nutrition. We pick up Jeff Jowett's story when he was at his lowest point. The rock bottom was probably circa NAAA and also parts of body trim. There was some disconnects there and just not liking the per- not knowing the per- myself. Who was I anymore? And what did I, who was I in life really? I didn't know. I was lost, lost. So really that was a low point. And then wheels falling off financially was a low point, but really a, a pivotal necessary critical point as well without a question for me because I just needed it universe needed hit me over the head with a baseball bat 10 times to go mate just change direction course correct and then life started to work and flow flow not force but yeah I think um mate all through that period was was pretty dark and but NA and that was actually really good because I sat around the table listen to everyone else's fuck-ups and misery and you start to feel a bit better and you're like, oh, it's not just me anyway. So you'd go mm. in shit, come out a bit better, turn up the next day and I did that for a year and uh, now I'm sort of five years sober and whatnot, it's like yeah, distant memory but, um, you know, proud of those early days just staying the course. Saying that life started to flow, 
I don't know that that was exactly the case because I remember sitting mm. with you probably around those times having a coffee and you had lost um, confidence in yourself. Oh, shit out. Gone. And you'd lost faith in yourself. But I saw it and it's, it's something that um, I'm certainly not sadistic, but when I talk with friends that are going through depression, mm. I get a little bit excited for them. Not being sadistic yeah, yeah. because I know they're about to have a breakthrough. Mm. And you started talking to me about meditation and metaphysics and quantum physics. Life didn't just start to flow for you. So what was it that you, one, learnt from AA? And what was it that you did? Was it books? Was it meditation? Was it rebirthing? Was it other workshops? What, did, what were the, some of the things you did to rebuild and more so to reinvent yourself? Actually stop and just not do anything for a while. Like that first year, I just sort of took some time out and uh, just did a little tiny bit of work here and there, but not much. I didn't just rip into the next big startup like I'd always done and get go from zero to a hundred and madness, chaos again, chasing money. And I just I went, you know what? I've gone bust properly. I think well, properly twice, but yeah, three times, give or take. And like, yeah, I went fucking hell. Like Blind Freddy can see my way's not working here because. This is brutal and I want to neck myself, so I'm not doing my way anymore. So I just took it easy, got back into golf and had the little dogs, thank God, and just try, really simplified, simplified to amplify. Like I, I wasn't a strategy, I was just cooked. Mm-hmm. There was no strategy, I was just cooked, zero in the tank. Yes. So I just went, I'm done. So I just sort of potted around and then um, a few people reached out for some consult, some coaching, consulting, and that made me feel a bit better being able to add a bit of value and help a few others, very, very small scale. And uh, then I felt a bit better and I just went with what made me feel better. I sort of say better or worse, that made me feel better. So I did more. I didn't think, oh, blow this up and make it big. I just did a bit more, which became a bit more and kept the hobbies and the lifestyle as it was and built on that, you know, really simple and one step at a time, not trying to leapfrog steps or see things as a stepping stone to get somewhere faster. None of that. I was just starting to slowly. It took two years really to find happiness and a real peace of mind, I think, those first two years. But then it really built from there. But it was all, wasn't all was a strategy at that point at all. There was no master plan and I was just finding happiness and enjoying where I was over time. So I just kept doing that and keeping it nice and simple and what was working for me, I just didn't want to revert back to the old patterns. That initial stopping, that initial stopping and just bit by bit, slowly, slowly, is that, did you get that from AA, from the 12 steps from AA? Was that part of that? It was actually the bloke who got me in. He, he said, mate, I think you should come and have a look at this with us. I think you're one of us. And uh, so I did. And, and he said, mate, just, mate, just chill out for a bit. And uh, another, I was actually another bloke in there who'd, who'd actually gone on to be really successful again. He'd, he'd got his shit together and was doing really well. And he's, I remember I was walking out of there one day and walking up Stanley Street to have a coffee. And he said, mate, look, j- just take it slow. Just take early days, take it slow. And uh, I said, yeah, no, no, I will, I will. And uh, he said, look, Mate, give it four years. I, pff, I nearly fell off the curb in four years. <laughs> yeah, five years. Look at what you've done previously in the five years. Yeah, yeah. He goes, nah, mate, probably about four years, I reckon, just to really just wow. reset everything. Oh, jeez, can't man. cool your jets. But, yeah, he was spot on the mark. I was mm, thinking wise four man. months, but he said four years, and it did. It just really just changed all my behaviours and what drove me and 
how I looked at life and how I looked at myself and all that stuff. It t- t- takes time. I say nothing good happens fast, but they were words of wisdom. And, um, yeah, he was, he was spot on the money. Two things you said to me along that journey at different times we went to have a coffee. One was being present, stop, lock and affirm, mm. learning how to be present in the moment, mm. be present in them. That was one thing that was so powerful that you've just alluded to here and reminded me of. And the other thing was connection. Yeah, well, the, uh, well I was always in my head. So I, I was always, I remember like public holidays and Christmas and Easter and I dead said it implode because I'd go a million miles an hour with businesses and then every, the world would stop and my head would keep racing and be oh, terrible. And then uh, that all started to slow down a bit and I just learnt to be where I was more and just take in my environment and realise that reality was what was in front of me, not the squirrels in the head. And I just got better and better and better at anchoring myself in that reality and... and I enjoyed it. There was a stillness to it and, and like everything we work at and we get good at what we do and I got better at that over time. It was hard at the start and, yeah, just being where I was and and just chipping away at life. I, I, I like some, you know, people do. I, I never chipped away. The sledgehammer out from about age age 18 but all, just extreme. Whatever I did, I ringed every last drop out of it and decided to go with a different path but yeah just slow slow move slow and steady and that started to work I just got happy that was the happy happiness was my number one goal just to be happy not striving the whole time what I'm hearing mate is um and what I saw what I witnessed is how much of your reinvention was attributed to zero alcohol and how much was attributed to this being present being grateful in the present knowing how important connection is and knowing how in mm. important purpose is with your daily actions, things, work, uh, time, efforts. How much of it was, this is, this is probably mm. one for addicts, anyone that mm. is an addict, how much of it or was it just so interrelated the drink had to go to take on this mindset or this mindset helped you get over the drink and the addictive behaviours? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they're, you know, they go hand in hand. They're not mutually exclusive. Like, I, there's none of this would have been possible still drinking, but I've got a lot of, like, all my clients these days are business owners and it's mm. all sort of business consulting, and which, which overlaps into life because off the field, you know, impacts on the field, et cetera. But um, the head noise and the clarity and the strategy and all of it, you can't do any of that hungover or... I think alcohol is a bit like a tranquilizer gun. It just, you know, it just takes the edge off you and nothing's as colourful and... I've had clients tell me, highly successful, you know, business owners that they could go out on the piss and everything, you know, the next few days is beige and just vanilla and they could do the exact same thing when they've had a month or two off the source and everything's amazing and they're grateful and how good's life and they're enthusiastic. I say enthusiasm's the secret source. Mm. But you're not enthusiastic if you're on the drink, you know, three or four times a week and you don't, not even those that... Not just people who are sort of extreme addict types, but any, you know, that sort of, I'm just, I'm, I think I'm very lucky that I was because it made me stop. I had to stop at that point. But um, if you're sort of in the middle and you have a few nights here and there, it still definitely takes the shine off things. And, and I get that shine 24-7 now. I wouldn't have the horses and the life I got today. None of that. I wouldn't have any of that without getting off the piss because, you know, the piss just takes that away. You just don't seem as motivated, enthusiastic about those things. Not walking the dogs isn't 
as awesome if you're hungover or whatever, even if you're not terribly hungover. It's just not the same for me. And that's what a lot of my clients tell me. So one guy last year, for example, I do quite a few sort of mastermind groups and whatnot. And one of them said, he said, well, what's the number one tip for a young entrepreneur? I said, get off the piss for a year. You know, if you want to smash it, he said, I said, get off the piss for a year. And he did. And he went from like three staff to 30, wrote $5 million in real estate. And he's like 24. Like just, wow. yeah, yeah. Cause it's a platform. Like it's that, that's the unfair advantage. You get off the piss, you just absolutely dominate cause you are on. Uh, yeah, that, that's the one thing that costs nothing that people can do for a period of time, like two months, three months, six months, whatever, a period of time. It's not forever for people, but if they really want to switch the afterburners on, then that's the way to do it. Cause you're not dropping the ball and you're reading the play. I say chestnut checkers. You do all of that. Your head's just way better. Yes. So we drugs, alcohol, once you do get rid of it, like that's such a powerful tip, such a simple, mm. powerful tip. When you are off it, is it compounding? Do you get better mm. and better and better and better? I mean, how much is it, especially recovering from addiction, how much is it two steps forward or one step back, a slip up, two steps forward, one slip back? Not, not thinking that you fall off the wagon and start drinking again, mm. but how compounding is it? How compounding is it when you do? Is it compounding? Yeah, I think it multiplies. I think month on month, year on year, I think your, my brain just, it's just infinitely, you just get smarter, like literally. Like, I, I don't know, the, the neural pathways, how it works. I think the dopamine receptors reset because when you got Mount Everest of cocaine getting chucked on the dopamine receptors, like I'm pretty sure they shit themselves. And so my dopamine receptors had no reception, mate. It was just no good. They were gone. They were mate, dopamine serotonin receptors in the toilet. Yeah. So again, like looking at it a nice day, you're like, oh, this is fucked, you know, because your dopamine receptors. So they, they just are rejuvenated. So life is exciting again. And I think that's half the thing. I think that the hormonal response to drugs, brain chemistry, I think there's a huge thing there, I believe, when it comes to depression, anxiety, mood state, emotional state, you know, energetic state, which I think is the, you know, the ultimate currency, your energy these days. And, you know, none of that's anywhere near as good. But, yeah, I've had month on month, year on year, and clients tell me it takes them a month to be optimal again if they have a bender. A month, a week they feel shit house, a month to be at their best optimal brain function again after a bender. So really, and I see that in myself year on year and the way my brain works and just being able to problem solve and see the gaps in businesses. Like I probably work across 20 different industries and I'll jump around each day in different things and I can just reset my head and just be able to jump straight into it. I couldn't do any of that back in the day. I'd need a rest, I'd, you know, I'd be scattered. So, but I've also learned how to turn my head off. I turn it off, then I turn it on. I turn it off, then I turn it on. And animals, for me, are very good energetically. And horses, dogs, stillness, uh, not talking, just, but you know, really just uh, quiet times and whatnot and really energising myself, filling the cup to go again. And I know my ratios to be able to do that. So what sort of time I need by myself with horses or dogs or whatever, and then I can be Monday morning, 7am, optimal. It's about effective time and... You know, I, I coach that in businesses. It's not about everyone's busy, very few are effective. People wear busy as a badge. It's a terrible badge. Throw it in the bin. We've got to be effective. And so the reason I think my business consulting stuff so powerful because 
people become, you know, two or three times more effective, so they get two or three times more stuff done at a higher level, and they end up with 30% more time, and they realise that they were just diving into drama everywhere. So they got more time and more success. But it's counterintuitive because you've got to know where your performance threshold is so you don't exceed your performance threshold, eat a hand grenade, and then blow it all up. I'm pretty sure that, Jeff, you don't sit and meditate but you recharge and get this stillness that you talk about, that you get the benefits of meditation. What is it you actually do? Do you get this walking with your dogs, with the horses? Do you sit and contemplate? Do you sit by the beach or by the water? What do you actually do? What's a daily practice for you to build this energy, to, to yeah. increase your vibration yeah, if we're yeah. going to talk the way yeah. that we talk? Well, I reckon everything can be a meditation. I reckon where, where everyone got lost is we've turned meditation into this twice a day for 20 minutes. Yes. That's great, but what about the other 23 hours? Mm. So every, oh, I meditated this morning, but yeah, but you're cooking your head now. Mm. So the, the premise of meditation is that it flows into your life. Yes. So great if it does. I'm not against meditation at all. I, I did Transcendental Meditation course. It was great. I got my mantra, did all that. Great. But I found that everything, if you get out of ego, then anything can be washing the dishes, vacuuming the floor, like anything can be a meditation if you're immensely present in that task. So what I did, I, I learned that there's no big or small task. There's just the current task and you do it well. Uh, so I say, you know, do your best, move on next versus uh, I don't want to do this. This is shit. So you're half ass. It's a stepping stone means to an end to get somewhere else. So I got rid of all that and um, I just do the current thing well. And then I leave it and I move on to the next thing. And remember I was mucking out my horse's stable one day and I thought, well, you know what, I'm pretty sure this is a big task for him because he doesn't want to roll around in his own shit. So, you know, it's all relative, but the ego tells us it's small because it's not important and I want to be big and powerful and important and I want status and significance, all of which is rubbish. And it doesn't serve us, doesn't make us better, only makes us worse. And I realised that you, know, you just do the current thing well, you keep moving, keep moving next, and then if you execute everything to a higher standard all the time, you can't not hit more goals and build a better life. But if you half do things all the time... Like average creates average. Awesome creates, a, it's just math. It's awesome creates awesome and you just execute and you get really focused on that and you build a far better life that compounds and flows. It's not bumpy and all over the shop and big highs, big lows, the roller coaster, if you will. So I think the key to that for me was not making things big and small. And then I could just be where I was doing that thing. And if I was only doing that thing, thinking in that thing, Focusing, then to me, that's quite meditative. And uh, being around the horses is, uh, the, I think, the electromagnetic field of their hearts is very therapeutic mm. in terms of energy, frequency, and, uh, you know, at, at dusk when they're all going to sleep, that's like meditation on steroids, I say, because it's dead set, like it's slow motion. It's like a, everything slows down, and it's amazing. So quite often I'm there at that time. As I'm sure you'll agree, Jeff is one amazing guy. And his story is definitely one worth hearing. In our next episode, I'll continue my chat with Jeff. So remember to subscribe to the Inspired Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're enjoying Inspired, please rate and review us. I'm Nick Jones, and thanks for listening to Inspired by Gentech Nutrition. Next time on the Inspired Podcast. I play life like a game, right? I've gamified it. I, I, I feel, I'm 45, I feel 20. 
like because I'm le- I, I love learning and that's why I say people should get hobbies so you're learning you're not just at the beach thinking about work improve your recovery using Gentech Nutrition's premium quality proteins and amino acids use code inspired10 and save 10% off your favorite products at gentech.com.au that's g e n t e c.com.au podcast has been produced by eathals.com.au that's www.eetales.com.au 